Jesus began his earthly ministry, he invited 12 distinct individuals to be part of his inner ministry team. Each of them was uniquely drawn to Christ and his message. Hear these words from one of Christ's closest disciples, John. I was one of those persons challenged to answer that question from Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Well, I thought I knew who I was. John, a fisherman, brother to James, son of Zebedee. But then one day, while my brother and I were fishing, Jesus shows up and says, Come, follow me. So I did. There was something compelling about this man, and it began the most amazing journey of my life. It quickly became clear that Jesus was a special messenger sent from above to share the love and grace of God. This was truly God living among us in the flesh, speaking truth with wisdom and insight like none had ever heard. I began to understand that God so loved the world, all of us, that he was willing to send his only son to give the gift of eternal life. Redeeming love was a prevailing theme of this man's life during those three brief years that I shared with him. He loved us. He loved me. And he loved his heavenly father with a devotion that was unparalleled to anything I had ever seen. How could I not love him back? The things I witnessed with my own eyes, they were unbelievable. I saw Jesus turn water into wine. I saw people healed in miraculous ways. I saw him feed thousands with just a few loaves of bread and fish. He made the blind to see, raised the dead to life, walked on water, calmed stormy seas. And he shared the love of God with all of us in these acts. the Lord of the wind and the sea. He calmed the storm and he rescued me. He is the Lord of the wind and the sea. He healed the lame, made the blind to see.
Would you all please stand and join us in singing, It Is Well With My Soul. compelling message of love had the ability to instantly transform lives, the transformation of deeply entrenched personality traits often took a little longer. Here are these personal reflections from another of Christ's closest disciples, Peter. Jesus called me Peter, the rock, <laughs> some rock. I was like sand in the heat of life's battles. I once sliced off a man's ear in anger. I often said and did things I later regretted. I even denied that I knew Jesus. 
I didn't mean to do it. Didn't want to do it. I believed in him. I knew his message was true, for I had witnessed so much as lives were dramatically changed by the power of his healing. Jesus was constantly criticized by the religious leaders. They were skeptical of his claims and characterized his miracles as deception. How can the Messiah come from our own community? They would ask. They were like blind men who couldn't see the truth standing in front of them. They rarely agreed on religious matters, but on one thing they did agree. Jesus was their enemy, for he was a threat to them and their followers. Jesus warned those of us who were close to him to be careful around them, to not be deceived. One day Jesus asked us, Who do you say that I am? Well, I responded impulsively, as I've been known to do. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. This wasn't something I needed time to think about. I had had a front row seat to this man's life and ministry. I knew his heart. I knew my words were true. Thank you. 
understand? Another word for Christ is Messiah, Jesus Messiah. Jesus, my 
Though Jesus often ministered in very public arenas, he frequently gathered with his closest friends for times of renewal and even an occasional meal. Hear these words from Mary, a devout follower and supporter of the teacher's work. Who is this Jesus? Well, I thought I knew. He had stopped by our home in Bethany just outside of Jerusalem many times to eat and to rest and just to talk. But this visit was different. We were mourning the death of my brother Lazarus. It had been four days when Jesus arrived. My sister Martha had gone out to greet the teacher and then come back to get me. Mary, Jesus wants to see you. I got up and hastily went out to meet him. Where is Lazarus, Jesus asked. We took him to the tomb. Against our wishes, he insisted that we roll the stone aside. Then he shouts, Lazarus, come out. That was a moment that still shakes the very core of my being. My brother, my dead brother, walks out of the tomb as alive as any of us. As you would expect, word traveled quickly. People everywhere were clamoring to see this man who could raise the dead to life. It wasn't long before Jesus returned to our home in Bethany. It was just before the Passover feast, and we would soon be joining thousands of others in Jerusalem for this grand festival. We ate together, including Lazarus, and celebrated God's faithfulness. A few days later, we caught up with Jesus as he was entering Jerusalem. There was an unbelievable excitement in the crowd. It was like being in the presence of royalty or a military hero. The crowds cheered as Jesus entered the city, riding on a donkey's colt. The people waved palm branches, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the King of glory.
stand and sing Hosanna with us. Not this one, but one that I think you might know. of Jesus was no small concern for the ruling authorities of his day. Yet there were mixed reviews as to whether Jesus was a legitimate threat to the government or merely a fleeting contender for the people's attention, as the words of Pontius Pilate reflect. My name is Pontius Pilate. I'm governor of Judea, which includes Jerusalem. I didn't know much about Jesus, the truth anyway. The stories about him were certainly wild and conflicting. Some said he was actually the son of God and could raise the dead to life, make the blind see, even walk on water. Some said he was a danger to my province, even to Rome. No, I didn't know the truth about him. But I did know that Jewish leaders had captured him and brought him to me for me to kill, which I could do. And this was Jesus knew I could do it. He knew I could send him over to a criminal's death on the cross. 
And when he came before me, I asked him to confirm or deny what the Jews accused him of. He was very, said very little. He remained mostly silent. It was such a disturbing scene to me. Yet even though he remained silent, I can find nothing in his actions or demeanors that deserves crucifixion. Nothing. So I tried to release him. Three times I tried to release him, and just as many times the religious leaders stirred up the crowd, so I dare not. I told his accusers, I find him guilty of no crime, but they were relentless. Finally, I turned him over to them, and they could have his way with him. But I made it clear, I'm not guilty of this man's death. I wash my hands of it. I am innocent of his blood. Innocent. I'm still not sure who this Jesus was. But as he was led away, it was like watching an innocent lamb being led to slaughter. There was a heaviness surrounding him. And me, as a matter of fact. It was like he carried the weight of the, of the world on his shoulders. Thank you.
such a beautiful song. We'd like to ask you to join us singing Hallelujah, What a Savior. Please stand. Uncertainty about Jesus and his significant following confounded the religious leaders of the day. They continually wrestled with the issue of what to do with Jesus, as you will hear in the, these words from Joseph of Arimathea. As a member of the Jewish High Council, I had been part of the discussions and decisions about what to do with Jesus. My name is Joseph from the town of Arimathea. I had heard the stories and seen the people impacted by this man's life. I didn't know what to make of all this, but I knew I couldn't agree with my colleagues when they decided to sentence Jesus to death. To say the least, mine was a minority opinion. As I stood there on that hill and observed the crucifixion of this so-called criminal, I was struck by the irony of this whole event. Here was a man who only a few days ago 
had been hailed as king when he entered Jerusalem with the crowd surrounding and cheering him. Where were those people now? They had all deserted him and gone into hiding. Yet, as I observed his final hours, it was as if he was completing a mission he had been called to do. He offered some assuring words to a faithful few who stood nearby, and even one of the criminals executed alongside him. Then, just before he died, he shouted these words, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Chills ran down my back. I went to Pilate, asking for permission to place the body of Jesus in a tomb I owned. It was the least I could do before the Sabbath. I was tinged with guilt, since I had been part of the group responsible for his death. Questions about this man still haunt me, but in my heart of hearts, I cannot dismiss the words of a Roman officer standing near the cross as he died. Truly, this was God's Son.
Join us again this time, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. Please stand. Thank you. 
thank you for what you have done for us. We praise your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. The hours following the crucifixion of Christ had cast a dark cloud of doubt and uncertainty among his closest followers. The eternal promises of hope seemed a distant memory as Mary Magdalene made her way to the burial location of the Lord. Listen to her words. It was early Sunday morning. It seemed like weeks since I had stood at the cross and watched Jesus die. As I headed to the tomb to anoint the body of my Lord, my mind raced with memories. Not only had Jesus freed me from my own demons, but I had watched him deliver so many people from their miseries. He had not only healed and cured others, but more importantly, he had transformed lives by his compelling message of love and grace. Now it seemed like all of that was for nothing. When I arrived at the tomb, I found that the stone had been rolled away. I ran to Peter and John. They have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and I don't know where they have put him. They ran to the tomb, confirming my words. They then returned to the others to tell them. As I stood outside the tomb weeping, a man I thought to be the gardener approached me. Why are you crying? he asked. Sir, I responded, if you have taken Jesus away, please tell me where you have placed him. Mary, he gently replied. That was all he needed to say. It was as if the scales from my eyes had been instantly removed. Any questions, any doubt I had was gone. I knew that this was Jesus, the living Christ standing before me. The exhilaration in my spirit propelled me back to the disciples. He is alive. Jesus is risen from the dead. I have seen him. Praise be to God. Jesus is alive. Stand and join us on this last one.
Who do you say that I am? We've heard how a number of people responded after encountering Jesus during his three-and-a-half-year ministry on earth. Among them was John, a fisherman. One of the sons of Zebedee, both John, James and John became two of his closest disciples. John saw him as Emmanuel and referred to him as God's only begotten son, given for the sins of the world. He saw water turned into wine. He experienced Jesus giving simple commands, and the blind saw. The sick were healed, and dead hearts began to beat. Upon seeing Jesus walk on water and calm a violent storm, he marveled, saying, This is the Lord of the wind and the sea. There was Simon Peter, also a fisherman, in partnership with James and John before becoming another close disciple. Jesus was the first to call him Petros, a rock, but his human nature was sometimes more sandy than rocky. He was the disciple that actually walked on water with the Lord. Then after seeing Jesus as a messenger of truth, a powerful teacher, and a threat to the religious leaders of that day, declared him to be the Christ, the Son of the living God. There was Mary of Bethany, a close friend of Jesus, along with her sister Martha and brother Lazarus. They supported his ministry, and he stayed with them whenever visiting Jerusalem. He revealed himself to Mary as the resurrection and the life when he called Lazarus from his tomb after he had been dead four days. She also recognized him as the promised Messiah when she attended his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. She joined the crowd crying out, Hosanna to the Son of David, the King of glory. Then there was Pontius Pilate, governor of Judea, the arm of Rome who believed he could actually wash his hands of Jesus' blood when he sentenced him to die on a cross. This in spite of feeling that the man was being falsely accused. Pilate had him beaten and humiliated, and when a crown of thorns was placed on his head, he ordered a sign to be placed on the cross, saying, This man was the king of the Jews. King Jesus, rejected by his own people, was led like a lamb to the slaughter heartbroken, a man of sorrows. And Joseph of Arimathea, a member of the Jewish high council responsible for the decision calling for Jesus' death. Joseph had voted against this decision even though he was uncertain as to who Jesus was. He offered to provide a place to bury Jesus and at the foot of the cross had to agree with a centurion standing nearby that stated, Truly this man was the Son of God. Before commending his spirit into his father's hands, Jesus said, It is finished. But he was referring to his sacrifice as the perfect Lamb of God. As Christians, we look forward to this coming Sunday when we celebrate the greatest event in the history of the world, his resurrection. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, our faith would be in vain and we would still be in our sins. But we have one more who testified of this event, Mary Magdalene, a close female follower of Jesus. She was uncertain after his death and burial. She was the first at the tomb Easter morning to find the stone rolled away. Fearing that Jesus' body had been stolen, she alerted Peter and John. Through tears, she mistook the risen Jesus for a gardener, but when he said her name, she recognized him as the Lord of life. Our part isn't finished until we decide to respond to Jesus' question, Who do you say that I am? And it requires an answer. A great prophet, a good teacher, 
a fine fellow. Jesus himself gives us the answer this way. I am the way and the truth and the life. He then goes on to tell us, no one comes to the Father except through me. Surrounded by this cloud of witnesses, most of you in this very room have already settled this most important question. You have come this evening to celebrate the passion of the Christ and look forward to Easter Sunday when the church gathers to celebrate his triumph over death and the grave. But if you are here tonight and have been uncertain of how to respond to Jesus, I have to ask, do you feel him drawing you, tugging on your heart? Do you hear his whisper? It's true. I'm true. Don't leave this room without him. Don't wait another moment. Answer his question now. Who do you say that I am? Please pray with me. And before you leave tonight, let someone know your decision. Heavenly Father, we know that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that none of us is righteous on our own, no, not one. But we realize that by the sacrifice of your only begotten Son, Jesus, you have made the way for our redemption. We thank you for the truth of your plan of salvation and have decided to receive your gift of eternal life by the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Amen. We thank you for coming tonight. May the peace of God go with you and your family. And uh, as we celebrate this weekend, we'll see you Sunday morning. Amen. You are dismissed.